0: The township of Wetmore in McKean County once boasted an architectural gem of a mansion with a dark and mysterious past. Rumored to be inhabited by Maleficent spirits, the haunted house of Wetmore, as it was known to folks in Cain and surrounding towns, was erected in the early 20th century by a businessman who had something of a fire problem. That is to say that every building he owned was destroyed by a bizarre series of fires over a period of several decades. Fires for which there was no discernible cause. Stranger still, several family members of the man for whom the mansion was built died under strange circumstances, leading many to believe that the family of Thomas Keeler had been cursed by someone or something. Thomas Keeler, a wealthy lumber merchant, was born in Cincinnati in 1832 and spent his early adulthood in the state of Indiana. At the age of 30, he arrived in Pennsylvania with his young bride, Sarah, and made a small fortune in the oil business in Venango County. He invested his earnings by purchasing large tracts of timber around Wetmore and building sawmills, which he connected with his own private railroad. As luck would have it, when oil and natural gas was discovered on one of his properties in 1881... It only added to his wealth, and he soon became one of the most prosperous citizens in northwestern Pennsylvania. Thomas Keeler also owned several other businesses in the area, including a chemical plant and a general store. In 1904, he erected a palatial home along Wetmore Road and resided there until his death in 1912 at the age of 80. He also owned a large estate on Fourth Avenue in Warren, which was occupied by one of his sons. Thomas Todd Keeler Keeler's death in 1912 was not a surprise. He had been in poor health for several years, and his obituary warranted a mere three paragraphs in the local paper. The Keeler mansion continued to be occupied by his widow, Sarah Ward Keeler, until her death three years later, also at the age of eighty. As was the custom at the time, both funerals were held inside the home. While Mr. and Mrs. Thomas Keeler were long lived, the same could not be said for their offspring. At the time of Sarah's death in 1915, only three of her nine children were still living, so much for genetics, yet none of the children wanted to live in a Keeler mansion for some reason, and so it became abandoned. The reason for this is unclear, but it would appear that paranormal activity may have played a role. According to reports, strange sounds were often heard coming from inside the deserted home. The October 25th, 1929 edition of the Kane Republican states, It was not long until weird tales of slamming doors and clanking chains and ghostly lights emanated from Wetmore, and the Keeler Homestead soon became known as the Haunted House of Wetmore. Although one of Thomas Keeler's sons, Charles, lived just down the road, the home remained uninhabited until 1929, when it was purchased by Reverend Bruce Simpson Wright, an affluent Methodist pastor from Buffalo. As for the three children who were living at the time of Sarah Keeler's demise, these included Thomas Todd Keeler of Warren, Charles Edgar Keeler of Wetmore, and Rebecca Keeler Russell of Warren. Rebecca passed away one year after her mother in 1916. Thomas Todd died in October of 1917 at the age of 55 after a lingering illness, just two years after his mother. Thirteen months later, Thomas Todd's 22 year old daughter, Berenice, died suddenly after a brief illness. Thomas Todd Keeler's son, Don Pyatt Keeler, passed away in 1943. One week after suffering a heart attack in Kansas City. He was just 55 years of age. Later that year, Charles E. Keeler, who followed his father into the lumber trade, died after a lengthy illness. Sadly, Thomas Todd Keeler's other daughter, Marjorie, passed away in Warren in 1948 at the age of 56 after a lingering illness, thereby extinguishing the bloodline and bringing an end to a once prosperous family. Even before the Keeler Mansion burned to the ground, fire seemed to follow in Keeler's footsteps. Keeler's Wetmore Sawmill burned down in 1888, while the Keeler Chemical Works suffered a major fire in 1904. Tragically, the chemical plant exploded in June of 1908, killing one worker. The plant reopened and continued to operate until October 3, 1917 when a devastating fire burned the plant to the ground and caused $85,000 worth of damage. The plant in Wetmore manufactured ingredients used for military explosives during World War I, and after the fire it was believed that alien enemies, ostensibly German spies, were to blame, though this allegation has never been proven. Oddly, it seems that the month of October was a curse for the Keeler family. The chemical plant burned down on october third, nineteen seventeen. Thomas Todd Keeler died on october fifteenth, nineteen seventeen. Charles Edgar Keeler died on october fourth, nineteen forty-three, and the Keeler Mansion burned down in October of nineteen twenty-nine. The mysterious fire at the Keeler Mansion occurred at three o'clock on the morning of october twenty fifth, nineteen twenty nine. One month after the dormant property had been purchased by Reverend Wright and his wife. Charles Keeler, who refused to live in the mansion but resided nearby, was the one who first noticed the flames. According to Charles Keeler, when he reached the mansion, he found that it was engulfed by flames and realized at once that there was no hope of saving it. When he notified the Kane Fire Department, Chief John Valentore said that a five mile run to Wetmore would be useless, considering the severity of the blaze and the fact that there were no hydrants in Wetmore. As there was no risk of the fire spreading to other dwellings, it was decided to let the fire burn itself out. The Keeler Mansion continued to burn until six o'clock in the morning, and the ruins smoldered into the afternoon. By evening, all that remained were the chimneys and cellar walls. Reverend Wright and his wife, who were at their primary residence in Buffalo at the time, had been making extensive renovations on the old mansion and had hired a contractor, Carl Byam, to replace the roof of the 18-room estate. Byam, whose men had lost several hundred dollars worth of tools in the inferno, was at a loss to explain the blaze. He swore that none of the appliances had been turned on that day, and scoffed at the idea that one of his workmen had left a smoldering cigarette inside the building. None of them were at the mansion at the time the fire started. But what made this particular fire perplexing was the fact that the Keeler Mansion had already caught on fire twice that year. This led many to believe that some less-than-holy types around town hadn't taken too kindly to a preacher moving into the place, and had set the fire intentionally. However, authorities refused to believe this theory. As for Reverend Wright and his wife, they were determined to rebuild, even though it was reported that it would take $20,000, roughly $350,000 in today's currency, to make the structure habitable. Nonetheless, by July of the following year, the Keeler mansion had been rebuilt by the Reverend, who christened his new summer home Wrightwood. This, of course, begs the question, where the heck did a Methodist minister get the money to buy a lumber millionaire's 18-room mansion as a second home? Upon Wright's sudden death from a heart attack in 1942, his obituary stated that he went directly into the ministry after his graduation from Allegheny College in 1905 at the age of 19 so apparently preaching must have been a pretty lucrative profession back in the days of the Great Depression. In a burning cork of irony, the reverend's death occurred on the same day as the Coconut Grove nightclub fire in Boston, which claimed 492 lives. The Wrightwood estate, built upon the foundations of the ill-fated Keeler Mansion, remained the home of the reverend's widow, Margaret, until the early 1960s. In the 1940s, an old landmark along Wetmore Road was purchased by local businessman Lloyd Rose and given new life as a drinking establishment. The Colonial Inn, as this business was anachronistically named, was situated on the immense 500 acre parcel of land once owned by Thomas Keeler. The Keeler Mansion had stood not far from the spot, as did the Keeler Chemical Works. And the inn was an immense three story, 15 room structure which Thomas Keeler had originally erected as a general store and office building. After the death of his parents, Charles Keeler turned the building into his private residence, and it was from this spot Charles had observed his childhood home being swallowed by flames in October of 1929. After Charles' death in 1943, Lloyd Rose purchased the last remaining Keeler building and turned it into the Colonial Inn, which he ran until his death in 1955. The vacant inn was purchased by J. Allgott Swanson and used for storage until May 4, 1958, when a fire of undetermined origin sent sparks more than 100 feet into the air and made the skies glow red for miles, attracting thousands of awestruck McKean County residents to the scene. The blaze was first discovered at around 10.25 p.m. by neighbors, who telephoned an alarm to the Kane Fire Department. By the time Fire Chief H.D. Garner reached the inferno, the entire rear of the building was engulfed in fire, and flames had broken through the roof. Although the firemen fought valiantly, no part of the structure survived, and while State Police Fire Marshal John Paxton conducted a full investigation, the cause of the fire could not be determined. And so ends the strange tale of Thomas Keeler, the cursed man who erected three buildings in Wetmore, which all burned to the ground, years apart, under mysterious circumstances. Was it just a matter of bad luck? Was some lifelong enemy of the Keelers lurking in the shadows, waiting to set ablaze everything that Keeler had built? Or was some darker, stranger force at play? If you enjoyed this podcast, pick up a copy of my newest book, Pennsylvania Oddities, Volume 3, available now at www.sunverypress.com. Volume 3 features 30 remarkable but true stories from every corner of the Keystone State. And be sure to visit my blog, paoddities.blogspot.com, for over 600 bizarre tales of murder and mystery from the colonial era to the present day. The Pennsylvania Oddities podcast is written, produced, and narrated by Marlon Bressy. Theme music composed by Marlon Bressy. Sound effects courtesy of freesound.org. Listen to the Pennsylvania Oddities podcast on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and anywhere else you find your favorite program. New episodes on the 1st and 15th of every month.